0: Big changes, but a continued commitment by the YWCA and striking a different chord of music that we hear in the cities. The months ahead will be transformational for the YWCA in the Quad Cities. The organization is undergoing a major construction project at the same time that it's expanding many of its services that help women, children, and families in the cities. Earlier this year, I got a chance to talk with YWCA Chief Executive Officer and President Julie Larson. The YWCA is really changing its footprint throughout the Quad City area. I mean, is this a huge change uh, for the entire organization?
1: Yeah, we're really moving to add more programming and services to fill gaps in services in the community, especially among, you know, the pandemic and COVID. I think it's really reiterated the need for specific services to help people rebuild and, and get back on their feet. Well,
0: let me start with that $1.6 million yeah. grant um, that's been awarded for you to continue your operations in Davenport, expand them. And it is part of that empowerment program. Tell me how that money's going to be spent.
1: Sure, so we've located a property prior to submitting the grant and it's actually on Mississippi Avenue just three blocks up from the current Empowerment Center. Um, It's probably uh, ten times bigger than our current uh, footprint and so it'll allow us to expand programming services and uh, serve more Iowans and it's just on a big spacious lot and uh, it'll just give us so much more room to do the things that you know we want to do.
0: When you say empowerment center, I mean, it, that could encompass so many different things. What are you trying to achieve right now and what do you hope to achieve in the future?
1: Sure, well, I, and I think empowerment means something different to everyone. Oh, so true. And, and so we have an array of services. And so really what we try to do when a client comes in is make it low barriers to entry so that you can get served right on the spot. Um, you know, if you need food, if you need clothing, you know, really looking at the immediate needs and fulfilling those. And then moving on to uh, long-term goals, you know, it could be educational attainment. Um, it could be, you know, they could be at a job currently and they want to get into the Google IT program or something different. You know, we work with Eastern Iowa Community College too, so we would refer to them. Uh, so you know, it it just depends on the individual.
0: We we so often talk about a safety net in some ways because you're talking about programs that you think are already available elsewhere.
1: Right, right, and and it's really connecting with the resources in the community and so you refer. you know we, we don't need to reinvent the wheel and provide services that are already out there. So we just have our own little unique niche of services that we provide and uh, and then we refer out for the ad- additional services needed.
0: And once again, you've learned so much since the pandemic yes. um, of, of the needs and, and and when you're talking about empowerment or you talk about employment or you talk about retraining, I mean, the need is there.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And, and it's really changed the delivery of services. So we remained open throughout the pandemic, um, obviously taking extra safety precautions. And uh, we would give out the food, you know, the clothing, any of the essential items. But then we got into the online through the YWCA USA. We see, received a grant from Google and then we received one from Starbucks. And they allow us to deliver these programs remotely. Which is great, uh, you know. Especially today, there are certain individuals, you know, that that are at home and they want to be able to do something like this and they can't, um, or someone who's working and they don't have time to go to a campus or an in-classroom session. You know, it's it's done at their own pace. Um, we obviously have a computer lab at the Empowerment Center, so if they want to come there and access our services, they can. We have laptops to give to them. We have hotspots, so you know, we really try to make it, you know as easy as possible, and then we, we offer the homework help and, and the support if they need it.
0: We're talking about actually two campuses because we're, we're talking about Iowa right now, but what Correct. about Illinois? I mean, that, that red brick building in the downtown of, uh, of Rock Island certainly uh, served its purpose, right? but now a Mac Daddy expansion.
1: Yes, yes, we're so excited about this. Uh, never thought we'd have a new building, and, and it's just two blocks up from where we're at right now. Our current facility is about 25,000 square foot. Mm-hmm. The new one's about 54,000 square feet. Um, you know, very efficient. It's kind of, it's combining services from two buildings into one. Um, we'll have an empowerment center there as well. But it makes sense to have satellite services so that they complement the Iowa services. You know, we don't again, we don't want to duplicate. We want to do things that complement each other. So, uh, you know, I- if you're in Illinois, you can access the Iowa services and vice versa. Well, as you know, that river is a huge divide.
0: I, <laughs> you know, I know that. I know. So, yeah, I mean, you need to have a footprint, actually, right. on both sides of the river. But the Rock Island, doubling the size, when you think of the YWCA in the Quad Cities, you think of the Rock Island facility in so many different ways. Right. How will this growth really change uh, what you're doing because the the core mission that you have will remain but you'll augment it and add other programs?
1: Yeah, you know, really expand upon the programs what that we have. already have, especially like the childcare, it'll almost double our current capacity and um, you know have environmentally friendly rooms that the building that we're in right now is 68 years old it was never meant for childcare so you know it's kinda dark and, and uh, you know we, we don't have an elevator you know there's just a lot of things that we needed to improve it we don't have restrooms for the children within the classrooms currently and that's important so that uh, you know a staff person doesn't have to follow them out every other minute and you know just little amenities like that we keep the gym the indoor gym was so important to keep its I mean when it's raining out snowing and the kids need to let off some steam it's just amazing and <laughs> so we kept that um, the pool pool will be expanded more of a family environment Um, we're gonna have a slide and a little lazy river and uh, you know some other fun stuff for the kids.
0: You mentioned the child care and I would think that I mean we're seeing it time and again how critically important that is for the future of men and women at work uh, for for families to succeed. Um, How will will the child care expansion occur Uh, because it is such a critical need right now.
1: Yes yes well so we offer the preschool for all program and then um, we also have the prevention initiative, which is for infants and toddlers. So, you know, by expanding our footprint, we'll be able to double the, the number of children that we were able to serve. And, you know, these, ser- these services, the, the programs, they have a family component to them. So it really involves the entire family, you know, not just the child enrolled in the center, which is important that, uh, you know, you meet the needs of the entire family.
0: Let's talk about the construction though. Yes. Uh, we were talking earlier on the fact that, uh, you know, you make a budget.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> and, and anybody who's redone their house, you know, you have the construction budget, right. things change. Things have dramatically changed when it comes to the construction costs for the Rock Island facility.
1: They have, um, you know, we met our campaign goal last October. We Quickly. Were, yeah, We were so excited, yeah. we did the groundbreaking ceremony and then boom, some of the bids came in you know well you know out of line as to what we budgeted for and it's one of those things that nobody could have predicted I, I you know we've we've seen the fluctuating prices and uh, we looked at changing materials uh, a couple of them we did change structures from one to another it, it and mainly that was for lead times issues because mm-hmm. if you don't have the roof on you can't get the rest of the construction underway so that was an issue in a couple areas where we made changes but You know, you just have to roll with the punches. Uh, You know, it's really frustrating, but uh, I think where there's a will, there's a way, and uh, we're working hard to raise those additional funds. Is
0: there a new effort then as far as uh, raising the additional funds? Because like you said, the capital campaign, which is always risky for any organization that's doing it because there's, is this going to work? You can't go to the well more than once. Right. Um, So so what is the plan for trying to raise more money, and, and how much money are you looking at?
1: Uh, we're probably looking at about two and a half million that we need to raise additional uh, we do have a, a campaign that's going to be coming underway that we've been doing some PR materials with and uh, you know really hoping to reiterate the need for the services that we provide you know the cities don't per se provide a lot of these services and, and we're really helping individuals to you know get back You know on their feet and help them through what might be the worst time in their lives and you know help them get uh, housing food clothing uh, you know provide them with those employment training services so that they can get a job and be paying taxes and you know so I hope that people understand you know what we what we really do and and how we impact uh, the community
0: yeah and and I, I was looking down because there is one program that you have that really does touch on that is the YW Tech Lab uh, which is really centered on IT training. And let's be honest, the future mm-hmm. of uh, employment so much depends on IT. How successful has that program been and how does somebody get involved?
1: Well, it's great. Um, yeah. uh, it, it, they can call the YWCA, we've got um, you know the phone number, or, the, or go to ywcaqc.org and get the information to call us. But uh, it, it's really cool because it's the Google IT support certificates, then there's a web development design, And Google actually opened it up to us, the whole suite of Google certificates. So, you know, once you get one certificate, you can keep going and and there's also a board where you can put your resume on and there's 50 plus employers, you know, we're talking Home Depot, Walmart, Google itself, that are looking for employees. And, uh, you know, what we found is the starting salary is about 55,000 plus per year. So you can go from zero experience, you know, to um, a certificate. And we've had people do it in less than a month. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's great. Because people, they don't want to, they you know, everybody has a different timeline for completion and some want to get it done and over with. And yeah. otherwise, if you want to take six months to do it because you have a family at home, that's, that's perfect as well.
0: Tell me about the future for the YWCA. I mean, y- you have a core mission that you stick to, but these expansions on both sides of the river, does it change the mission for the YWCA?
1: No, I think it really helps us fulfill our mission. I, I think that it really adds those services and um, I, we always look for gaps in services. You know, we don't want to again reinvent the wheel. So, we, you know, the, the YWCA um, Teen Parent and Child Education Center, it's located in Rock Island High School. It came about in 1991. There's really nothing else like it, you know, and there wasn't at that time. Uh, You know, our empowerment centers are kind of on that same pattern, uh, the place to be for homeless and at-risk youth in the community. I mean, it's, you know, we look for those gaps and, um, you know, but bigger isn't always better. So we just want to make sure that, you know, we are serving the people very well with the programs that we have.
0: Our thanks to Julie Larson, the Chief Executive and President of the YWCA of the Quad Cities. Well, welcome to December and Christmas, of course, fast approaching. It is on Laura Adams' calendar,
2: but so is a whole lot of other things if you want to go out and about. This is Out and About, December 2nd through 8th. The Freight House Farmers Market presents Christ Kindle Market December 2nd through 4th, and it's Christmas in the Village the 2nd and 3rd. Bishop Hill celebrates Yule Marknod the 3rd and 4th, while Christmas in LeClaire runs the 2nd through the 4th. And DeWitt's hometown Christmas is celebrated on the 3rd at 5. An Infantryman from Hero Street, the fourth film in the Hero Street series, will be screened at the Moline Library at noon. It's Reindeer Day for the Kids on the 3rd from noon to 5 at the Family Museum. St. Anthony's Catholic Church's annual Christmas concert performs the fourth at three. A Quad City Saxophone Christmas takes place at North Park Mall the third at one. Christmas at Augustana takes the stage the third and fourth at two, plus Santa Lucia will take place the fifth at seven. First Lutheran Church in Geneseo hosts the Riverbend Bronze Christmas concert the third at two. Circa 21 presents two musicals, Irving Berlin's White Christmas and Santa Claus the Musical, while the Spotlight Theater presents Comedy Sports and A Christmas Story, the musical through the 11th. At the Black Box Theater, GIT Improv provide the laughs the third at 7.30, and All Is Calm, the Christmas Truce of 1914, opens on December 8th and runs through the 17th. Plus, Choral Dynamics presents A Spirit for Christmas at the Orpheum Theater in Galesburg, the second through the fourth. For more information, visit wqpt.org.
0: Thank you, Laura. 2022 is coming to an end, but It also was a year that we saw a lot of changes. Now, earlier this year, we looked at the changes that are going on at the River Music Experience, now called Common Chord, the music museum, as well as venue space in downtown Davenport. In September, we talked to the executive director, Tyson Danner, about the changes, why they were made, and what it means for the future. So why would you make the change from RME to Common Chord? Well, we're very different than (laughs) when we
3: started. Almost 20 years ago in 2004 when we were created, uh, the River Music Experience was created as a museum for roots music. Roots music, the blues, the jazz, that traveled up and down the Mississippi River. The link to the river. Yep, that's where we started. Uh, But pretty soon after we opened, the program started growing. We started saying, we need to get out there and do some education. We need to provide some concert programming. And now almost two decades later we're, we're a different organization it's bigger than anyone expected it's broader than anyone expected we do all kinds of music um, in the redstone room this fall we'll have edm shows we'll have jazz shows we'll have rock shows we'll have bluegrass shows we'll have hip-hop shows so we needed to be able to give ourselves a name that more accurately reflected that bigger picture mission
0: well and any organization really has to change to survive you have to morph to your audience you have to learn from who's using you and who you still need to get well, to. We've, we've found that out the past few years. Yeah, well. And the organizations that did adapt and pivots
3: the buzzword, right? Yeah. But the organizations that adapted and kept asking themselves, what do we need to be for our community? Those are the organizations that have grown and thrived instead of just sort of struggling along through COVID.
0: Common cord, what
3: does it mean? Common cord, it's all about community. So, so we want to be able to tell folks we're for everybody or for all kinds of music, all people, musicians and non-musicians, that common thread that ties us together. You know, We talk about music as a universal language. It's something that really has the ability to connect people, which is more and more rare these days. But you can go to a show and you can stand next to somebody that maybe voted for somebody else, or maybe thinks differently on this issue or that issue, and you're just there together having a good time, and the music is what's doing that. So, the common chord, the common thread that brings us together.
0: We're talking about a change in name, but oftentimes it's so much more than that. Is there going to be a change in philosophy? Is, 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 is the mission changing?
3: The mission is broader. And it, and it really, you know, today is not the change point. Our growth and evolution has happened over the last few years. Those new programs that people have seen popping up, the, the One Sound Piano Project, Uh, our in tune music mentoring program, new genres of music we've been putting out there, that's all been developing over a few years and people have responded to it so great. So the name change is really the final piece of this puzzle. It's finally the name catching up to what we've actually been doing the past couple years.
0: It is a unique idea, and it was part of a revitalization two decades ago for the downtown Davenport area. Is there a model that you have as far as what Common Core is supposed to be like some other large city has something like this?
3: There are similar organizations, though it's more common that organizations focus on one area. They might be a music education organization, they might be a nonprofit performance venue, they might be a music council that advocates for the music scene. We're a conglomeration of quite a few of those things. We have pretty broad programming, Um, but but we have a music scene and a community that supports that level of work and all those different
0: programs. Well, everyone remembers it as an old department store. The old Van Laak. Peterson's, yeah. A department store in the the, the Redstone Mm. building. Um, And and it has been a solid place for you to operate. Mm -hmm. But that's not it anymore. I mean, you guys really are reaching out into the community more than ever. I mean, is that an incredibly important part of your mission? absolutely you know the the
3: phrase church folks know this right the church is not the people Uh, the church is not Not the building the The church is not the steeple the church is the people and that's true of nonprofits we may happen to that building is a great asset we have and we're really proud to keep helping build the downtown davenport which is is not what it was 20 years ago Um, and and, uh, common cord and rme played a big role in that but the the building is our home base the real work we do is not keep a building going. The real work we do is make music experiences happen. That happens a lot in our building because we've got a venue to program that's a beautiful venue. It happens a lot in all sorts of other places. You know, Our education programs happen in schools. Our Intune music mentoring program happens in community centers all across the Quad Cities. Those pianos are everywhere from Davenport to, to uh,
0: the Niobe Zoo to LeClaire. We're all over the place. So where do you go from here? I mean, you, you learned an awful lot from uh, the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, COVID. Um, it, it limited your ability to, let's say, go into schools or, 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 or to bring people into the Redstone uh, building in order for, to have lessons. I mean, it was limited, it wasn't stopped. I mean, what did you get from the pandemic that you're able to, you know, this is what we're, this is how our mission's changing?
3: Mm-hmm. It was a good reminder for us that, you know, programs might change from time to time. The way we do things might change, but the core of it's still the same. The core of it is bringing people together and connecting people through music. In the pandemic, there was a long period of time, the only way we did that was with videos and Zoom Mm -hmm. calls, And now we're able to go back out and do that with concerts and educational programs. But so as programs develop over the years, that might change. That core mission though of bringing people together through music, that's what we're all about.
0: I want to ask you about something Talk about the echo now yeah. in its uh, second year it focuses on the digital music scene I mean that's another issue that I mean when you talk about the RME as you said it was the roots it was it was music maybe a hundred years ago that was so uh, uh, rooted in with the uh, Mississippi River and now we're talking about digital music and, and a whole vast new genre as well as reality for music
3: right and the Echo does cover all sorts of music too, traditional styles included. Um, but when we look at our whole music scene, we see the evolution of all those different genres. And people do tend to have their genres they like. You know, you might be a, you might be a Springsteen fan, I might be a Beatles fan, and that might, may be where we live. But as you get out there in your community and connect to more people, you see the variety and diversity of things that are happening in the Quad Cities. We often don't realize it because we're creatures of habit. We tend to go to the same places, listen to the same music. We have an awesome, thriving hip-hop and rap scene here. Um, And a lot of those artists are doing work in their small studios, in the garage, you know, the garage band thing, in the basement, um, that don't have access to larger venues like the Redstone Room. Uh, So one thing we have uh, we've been doing over the past year, coming up this year, too, we're building partnerships with a lot of those studios, especially in those genres that don't get the same kind of access as some of the the more traditional genres do, um, and making sure we have performance spaces for those. But also when we look around at the music scene, we see great venues like the Raccoon Motel that's just completed their first year of operation. We see Gypsy Highway in Davenport. We see Roz in Rock Island, all these great spaces that make up a music scene. Part of our work at common core is saying okay what are we doing today to help make sure they're thriving what do we do today to make sure Ross talks is there in five years and continuing to produce awesome music events so it goes beyond our building in that way too not just beyond our building but beyond even our own programming
0: so once again with the pandemic i mean it, it just seemed like there was in the music industry or in uh, a theater or anywhere else, everyone was holding back, they couldn't get out there and perform, and then all of a sudden, audiences arrive again, and, and, and the ability to share time with people in a, in a small area comes back again, and there was this big rush of creativity that flowed out. Have you noticed that? I mean, I mean is, and, and is, is that momentum continuing? We really did notice it. <laughs> I mean, we've been, we've been busy the, in
3: the past. We started shows again indoors last September, so it's been about a year. And we still see that there is the pent-up demand that, that a lot of folks were expecting. We really did see it. But the interesting thing about that is it broke habits. So folks uh-huh. that tended to just go to, maybe they only ever went to the Redstone Room and they just went and they stopped by Redstone Room every weekend and saw what they expected from us, a blues show, a rock show, um, then they couldn't do that for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden. They have to proactively look online, see what events are going on. Oh, that looks interesting. I've never been to that venue before. So not only did you see folks bounce back to the places they were familiar with, all of a sudden there is a spreading out. And you have new relationships building between music venues and producers and artists. So it's really been interesting to see. And we're we're seeing ripple effects of that too, just on the practical side. We have a lot of touring bands that come through the Redstone Room. Those A lot of times we're booking them six months in advance, a year in advance, well there's some things coming up in the next two months that are still being worked on. Yeah. Because everything, that whole schedule of touring and, and tour legs, it, it all got thrown off. Um, but it's been really for the best, ultimately, um, for, the, for the scene, for the industry as a whole. Because it just opened the door to so many new thinking.
0: The other thing is that, I mean, we talk about the performances and we talk about the museum as well that, that uh, celebrates Big uh, Spiderback, of course, is down in the basement. Um, uh, talk to me about the youth, because uh, you've, you've, you've had uh, uh, rock camps, you've, you've, you've really tried to reach out to kids to get them to love music, and that seems to be one of the many successes that we've seen over the last uh, 18 years. Absolutely, and that, that's the, one of those big gaps that we're filling, right?
3: Creating education programs is hard work, it's expensive. It takes staff time mm-hmm. and it takes a real dedication to building those relationships with schools because school, it's not like school administrators are sitting around twiddling their thumbs, what do we do now? They're busy and their days are packed. Um, but we try to make sure we're giving kids a lot of opportunity to broaden their horizons a little bit. You know, they're hearing a certain kind of music at home uh, based on what their parents listen to right. probably. And they're hearing a certain kind of music in school music class which unfortunately is happening less and less these days, right? Mm-hmm. They may get 20 mu- minutes of music once a week. So we try to get in there and give them some broader thinking. Our, our school program, River Currents, is, is based on some of the original museum curriculum. So it's about the roots music and American music styles, how it came up from New Orleans, um, how all American music really descends from enslaved people and how it originally came from Africa and how it went up the Mississippi River and we got to benefit from that from the riverboats. And all the way up through, how did Elvis come from that? How did Taylor Swift come from that? How did Nicki Minaj come from that? Because they did, um, and that's how our music styles have evolved. And it connects the kids in a much broader
0: way of thinking to their past. Well, if you haven't been to the RME in a while, come by now. Yeah. See what Common Chord is all about. Yeah. I mean, you, you must be wanting to see some fresh faces there. We'd love to. Uh, This this
3: new mission, this new vision is broader and there's more room for everybody. Uh, More room no matter what kind of genre you like, no matter what kind of skill level you have, um, whoever you are, there's room.
0: Our thanks to Tyson Danner of Common Chord, formerly the River Music Experience. We talked to him back in September. There's a number of concerts that are scheduled at Common Chord's Redstone Room throughout the month of December. And just after Christmas, the 2022 Ellis Kell Winter Blues Camp will be open for kids from the ages of 8 to 18. It's going to start on December 27th. You can check out the details and take part in it. It's all at CommonChordQC.org on the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device and streaming on your computer. Thanks for taking time to join us to talk about the issues on The Cities.